This is the one with Colonel Saunders. Not wheeze. An inability to mend people. A fire-raking tongue licking you all over. <laughs> and basically no Nissa. It's called Kinder. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to yet another absolutely fantabulous episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Correctamundo, body o pal. Uh, that lovely voice belongs to my absolutely darling co-host over yonder in Berlin, available to my eyeballs and your earballs through the ether. It's Jim. Hello, Jim. Yes, it is I, Jim. And I guess that that must be you over there, Leon, that I'm looking at introducing right. yourself to Podcast Land. Um, hello, Podcast Land, by the way. Um, thank you for yeah. joining us. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Hello, Podcast Land. Yes, today we are talking about... We're doing another classic, t- for starters, and it's been a while since we did one of these, it feels like. And just to clarify, tiny bit of caveat, before we press record, we did also say that we hadn't actually watched this for a couple of weeks. So we're a little behind ourselves. Bear in mind. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Kinder, a uh, Peter Davison serial with Adric, with Tegan, and in brackets, sort of, with Nissa, but not really. We'll get into not that. Not really. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, not really. High level. Um, Jim, it, any any thoughts? Anything you want to share about uh, Kinder? Uh, I actually really liked it. <laughs> right, okay. I'm going to put that out there at the start, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're in good company. I think most it. people like this. Oh, okay. We briefly talked before the recording, like not not really giving anything away. We want to keep the recording yeah. fresh. But I we, called it horseshit. <laughs> yeah, you did a bit. <laughs> but I feel, feel like we both accepted it's quite a unique episode. Like there are oh, other, other serials. Absolutely. That I like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this serial tries stuff. It is deeply experimental in places, both narratively and visually, I think, uh, just cinematographically experimental. Yeah. And for I that think, reason, uh, I think it does stand out. Yeah, I think I was enjoying that aspect of it. Okay. I'm prepared for you to fuck all over it and me to yeah, probably agree I'm, with you by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be too crude, but I will piss all over your appreciation of this episode. <laughs> No, no. In seriousness, though, though, I mean, I I do like it. I don't know if I would recommend anyone watch it, though. <laughs> I think it's a very interesting serial to stumble across if you are already a fan of the show. Perhaps we before we jump into B Scow and discussion territory, there were two very, very just sort of short form review ish of the serial. We have had PSs in listener minis in the past going, hey, Drew should watch this serial. Like, this would be right up his alley. And then uh, maybe two weeks ago or something, someone posted a three-word review of this serial on Facebook. And that was just, don't watch this. So, <laughs> so we have both ends of the spectrum represented. And Drew, therefore, was asking me, like, offline, like, hey, should I watch this? Am I going to like this? I don't think he should watch this. Do would you recommend that Drew watches this? I think he'll quit the podcast if he does. Like he will <laughs> never he will never watch Doctor Who again. I don't know. I'm not quite sure if I can pick 
what things Drew likes well enough to say he would definitely like this. But I feel yeah. like I feel like this is so unique that it could be the equivalent of some really weird cult film that most people think is a bit crap, but it has like such a big following. Yeah. So if you fall into that bracket, then you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I look forward to having you talk me up a little bit, but I cannot wait to get cracking on talking you down. <laughs> so how about we bite-sized chunk of who this and then get into review territory? That sounds spiffing. Time for us to synopsize, lovify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. The setting is a jungle planet called Diva Loca. The protagonists are a few humans looking to colonize all over the place and a group of native people, the Kinder. The humans seem to have fallen out of the mm, good old days of British humanism and don't show the Kinder a lot of respect. All apart from science officer Todd, who suspects that they're a lot more advanced than they would seem and are even capable of telepathy. Todd is bang on the money, of course. Not only are the Kinder capable of telepathy, it's their main form of communication. So there's obviously going to be some conflict here then with these backwards-looking imperialistic humans and a hippie species that's in harmony with their planet. And when you throw in the Mara as well, an evil parasitic gestalt that quickly uses Tegan as a conduit into our world, Doc's going to have a hard time turning the heat down on this pressure cooker. B-Scout over. B-Scout over. You are welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just? Right. You know what I'm going to ask you, right? <laughs> Do you have any questions you want to start off with? <laughs> questions yeah why do you hate it <laughs> okay i don't hate it but the reason that i dislike it and we will dip in and out of this going forward but just sort of high level why i dislike a, a side of this serial is that absolutely none of it makes sense there are lots of things that are lined up that then are that are never grounded in anything that just sort of they, they appear they happen but then they either fizzle out they're never revisited or they turn out to be completely inconsequential in fact let's put a pin in that and talk about that in the context of the mara and their like black lodge kind of situation but because none of that is substantiated and none of that then comes to be later on i feel like I, I, okay here it is sorry now i'm rambling but like, i i feel like the bbc had access to two Two or three different scripts that were all kind of cool. And they had, I don't know, a duff week and they went, okay, let's mash these scripts together. It'll give us an excuse to use all these new effects we have in our production department. And then they did that, but they aren't cohesive. They don't fit in perfectly with one another. I am mostly with you with that. I And I yeah. super loved the the Lodge stuff. Like I think... This is why, and it's not the first time this has happened, I don't think, with a, a, a classic serial. I think if they can do interesting things in the first one or two episodes, ideally both, yeah, I, then you're I get a bit more <laughs> forgiving a bit for the third and fourth, perhaps. Because I think the end of this serial is atrocious. <laughs> with a <laughs> giant snake and the mirror circle. And like, it just... <laughs> like that... Absolutely. That's a different thing than than the lodge. It's not yeah, that's that the doesn't thing. Like, feel like the same creation, yeah. Exactly. There are two different evil forces, two different antagonists at play here, but they are presented as the same one in the serial, even though they appear to have originated in two separate scripts. The Black Lodge one is yeah. super interesting. The snake one is 
standard bad guy. Like, it, it, there's very little difference between the snake and the, the virus, for example, that we had in the Invisible Enemy, or you know that sort of stuff. Or the the ring from uh, Hand of Evil. You know, you can get taken mm. over, but it also has its own form and it's really big and strong and imposing. Yada yada yada. But they are they're so different. Okay, okay, fine. Here's a question for you. Why was there not a single snake symbol or anything in any way related to snakes in the Black Lodge? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair observation. I can't say I looked closely enough to know there wasn't, but I, yeah, I suspect there wasn't. <laughs> there absolutely was not. <laughs> so the Black Lodge uh, podcast land that we're referring to is, is when Tegan gets taken into this, it, through a trance or something, she gets taken to this, I'm willing to call it like an other dimension or a parallel dimension sort of an evil dimension where the Mara currently is trapped and they use her as a conduit to get back into our dimension. And when she's there, she's treated to visuals of the Mara, but it looks like a fucking like high school theater Commedia dell'arte production of train spotting. Like th- there's there's a dude who appears like a sort of Mephisto. He's dressed like I can't remember what his na- name is now, but the clown from Commedia dell'arte, you know, like the white guy, black pom poms and whatever. Uh, uh, who's okay. like, clearly the personification of I'm gonna say heroin. And then there's <laughs> Cap from I'm gonna say maybe the 1700s. He's got the collar and everything. He's playing chess, I think, with with a lady also yeah. in period garments. Which, Where did they come from? Who are they? I don't Where know. I don't care. I loved it. I loved it. It was so <laughs> yeah, insane. Me too, but what is it doing there? <laughs> and I, I think I've got a retro rewrite for you. It's just popped up into my oh, head of how you can get yeah. snakes Fix into this. that scene. Because I think you do see a snake tattoo on... Oh, I think he's called Ducker. For ages, I Ducker, yeah. I just referred to him as like a jester. And then a real jester came in and I was like, oh no, yeah. well, okay, you're, you're a jester. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you see the snake tattoo on his arm in that oh, do you? Okay. environment. Oh, yeah. you do? Because he transfers it to Tegan. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so why but that, does he just look like a late. dude with yeah. a snake tattoo? Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah, snakes should be a motif in that it would it would ground things a bit better. So well, instead I mean, of playing chess, yeah. they should be playing snakes, snakes, snakes and ladders. Snakes and ladders. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> stupid i'm sorry <laughs> no that would absolutely save, save this basically what i want is i don't mind that they're we- wearing like 18th century period garments that, that's fine but have them be snakes in 18th century period garments or i mean there needs to be something why why is he not hissing for example why is, if they're gonna go down the snake route just do that why is he not wearing snake skin yeah. boots or whatever i mean my preference would be that they they had a tattoo. It was just mm-hmm. a symbol. The symbol transfers. That's a, a nice visual clue of like this person is possessed. Yeah, I don't yeah, have an sense. issue with that. And just ditch the snake thing entirely. Don't end with a giant <laughs> wobbly snake. That I would like to point out. Its head is always higher than the mirrors that are, you know, yep, apparently know. he can't see his around. own. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> The ending is <laughs> that was my first observation as well. It's like, why doesn't he just slither over it? Like, he's already yeah. looking over them. He's so freaking gigantic. Oh, well, yeah. Like, it's so big. It's like Hulk smashed the shit out of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be glad to know that we will revisit the Kinder or the Mara, rather. We're, we're, there's, a, there's a sequel to this serial called, I want to say, Snake Dance or something like that. And um, yeah, so, so we're going to get more, more snake action. Hey all. But yeah, I mean hey this all. is going to it's it's going to get juicy. Okay, question for you then. Mephisto and the other couple, whatever their names are. 
were they, like Tegan, taken over by the Mara? Or were they the Mara? Because if Mephisto I, has the tattoo, Tegan also gets the tattoo later on. I 100% took it that they were the Mara. Like, they only yeah. existed no, in that too. space. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... Yeah. Okay. I think it bothered me a bit that they were always, in our world, just referred to as the, the Mara. But and I didn't pick up on this um, kind of gestalt entity thing, which I guess explains that they're referred to in that way. But yeah, I think... that. I think you're right. There are there are some missed tricks with this story. There are things that set up that are too fluffy around the edges. But I liked the delivery. I liked the insanity. <laughs> they just like yeah, that's yeah. the undertone of this serial is insanity. <laughs> oh, it the, is um, absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the lodge thing felt really unhinged. Obviously, Hindle goes totally bonkers when yeah, people Colonel o- Sanders open as the well. box. Yeah, well, well, men in particular open the box. Yeah, they, they, well, Sana's reverted to like a. He's a child. Uh, yeah, child. he guess, regresses to the state of like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, Hindel, I actually thought was very childlike towards the end. Like uh, to start with, he's just very shouty and angry. But yeah, by the end of it, interesting like, he's thing, but with it, and stuff. Yeah, that's true. He goes on an interesting journey because when he starts off, he's the lazy good guy of the troop. Like. Colonel Sanders is the unhealthy authoritarian, <laughs> you know, like, you know, morally unhealthy, morally unsound authoritarian. And yeah. Hindle is, he's sleeping on the job, he's clearly lazy, and he maybe opposes authority. But then the second he goes nuts, he becomes the authoritarian. He becomes Colonel Sanders' su- super, what's it called? Supervisor, not supervisor, you know what I mean? Like, he is superior. Yeah. But yeah, then they, I you know, I they head off into the sunset and like, it's... Just the beginning of a beautiful friendship, that sort of thing. <laughs> Again, the ending, not great. <laughs> but I don't I don't think I've fully understood and and bought the the situation leading to like Hindle going off the rails and yeah, no, becoming right. that, that authoritarian figure. But I I liked the way it played out. Yeah, I'm with you. Here's the thing. Do you like Twin Peaks? Yeah, definitely. Same here. Love Twin Peaks. I feel like if I didn't like Twin Peaks, and if I didn't view this serial through the the lens of, let's call it Twin Peaks logic, I would dislike this serial immensely. But it makes (laughs) sense from a David Lynch point of view, because you have that Black Lodge thing, and just like in Twin Peaks, the Black Lodge, everyone who's in the Black Lodge, they can kind of wield a certain influence. But in this serial, according to the logic of this serial... You can't. There's a disconnect. Everyone knows that there is such a thing as the Black Lodge, but you can't. They can't get through. So how are they turning people mad? Like, why do these two colonizers turn into children only because they're on this planet? They're in the wrong dimension for that to happen. And by the way, Tegan doesn't turn into a child. No, I think. I think again, you're picking up on the the things that are taken halfway along the line and never quite completed, and all yeah. they. They veer off because I think there are a few things. So obviously Tegan falls asleep. There was a thing yep. to do with those chimes, which I never understood, to be honest. Yeah, where are they from? What? <laughs> which I, I feel like they did come back to that at the end, and I, I honestly don't know what they said about it. I don't know if this is because I watched this serial like a week and a half ago, or I was just bad at absorbing information. <laughs> no, no, I think we're in the, uh, in the same boat here. And then there were there was references to like men, like at least males of the kinder, but I think men in general, like the way the old woman, um, what's her name? Oh, that they are more susceptible no, to Panna. the Mara. Is that what you mean? No. They like the whole thing with the box was like you know men open this box and they go insane, and it was ah, but that's not what the box was for. 
the box was like a, a healing device. It was meant to heal them. The, the box, as I understand it, was the Kinder's attempt to exorcise the Mara from those two chaps, from Colonel Sanders and Hindle. Oh, okay. I got I got the explanation that it was meant to be a healing device, and it just didn't work on male humans. Because the little girl gives it to Sanders. Yeah, and that that was that was a uh, meant to be a positive thing. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, sense. it was meant to. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> hang on. Can we t- can we talk about these species? What is going on here exactly? We we we're on the planet whatever Divaloka, uh, fantastic planet name, and there is a yeah. hippie <laughs> species, the Kinder, who have. No technology whatsoever. They are, I mean, there's a very clear colonialism theme to this serial. They're even referred to by these horrible humans as savages and and whatever. Yeah. Like without language, not realizing that they communicate telepathically. But they're presented as these, not quite, but almost primitives. They walk around in like very rudimentary garments. They're hippies. They're one with nature, yada, yada, yada. They're they're like the Navi. This is Avatar. This is a proto-Avatar situation. Oh my God, that's so... Apt, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then the, it's also said they have a greater understanding of technology than we give them credit for. For example, they have a, a pattern in their like necklace, which is a double helix. Yeah. But is that ever revisited? Do you see these fucking hippies having any understanding of what a double helix is? No, <laughs> not in the slightest. They haven't even reached like the Iron Age. You know, <laughs> they are Stone Age. They're like they're they're a lovely people. They they're they're peace loving. They're one with nature. They communicate telepathically. They're really happy and they wear sarongs. It's great. Everyone's on board. But they haven't mastered the art of <laughs> of making tools out of metal. I think it's, it's sort of frustrating because. They could they could send this in different directions because I think it's it's hard to have a, a species presented in the way they're presented as yeah very untechnological and then say they know about DNA yeah but you could take the supernatural path like you've already said they're telepathic which is not something that humans are capable of and we even think would be possible so you're you're kind of breaking the rules to do that so why not break the rules to say but they can also put their mind in you know in a way that they can into, see into down to like in the, some way yeah they can see down to like atomic level almost and you know they can see the components of people and they understand the makeup of people yeah in a way i, I way love that, that as an explanation yeah i love like that, that as an explanation. would have been quite a simple i have a counter argument for you okay <laughs> <laughs> May I remind you that these are the same people who believe that Hindle has stolen their souls because he has a mirror. Yeah, that one bothered me at the end. Yeah. He shows them their reflection in a mirror and they're like, all right, we are your slaves now because you have taken our souls. Oh, by the way, I know what the double helix is. Like, that, that's... <laughs> no. <laughs> at some point in your travels, even while you're wandering around this beautiful paradise um, planet, we need to talk about paradise as well, did they never, like, stop to look at their reflection in a pond? Or did they just go, yeah, I, I, I serve this pond now. <laughs> it has my soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I think... I was so confused by that throughout the entire serial. I I saw him hold the mirror up to them, but it felt like he changed rather than they did. I agree, yeah. Did you think he was telepathic? Well, I I just thought they had kind of hypnotized him, but then he started calling the shots. Ah, But I I thought it was going to be like they were puppeting him sort of thing, and they weren't as peaceful as they seemed or something like that. And the, the more and more as the serial went on, and then we finally get explicitly told that he used the mirror to pretend that he'd taken their souls. 
it was just such a letdown. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, also bear in mind these people don't speak English. Well, I mean, they do later on, but like, I mean, they don't speak English with Hindle, is what I mean. They communicate with each other telepathically, but there's zero communication between them and Hindle. How does he even know that that's what they believe? That's very true. That's actually. a huge yeah. inference on his part. Like, he's he's showing them this mirror. And, okay, here's another thing. He shows them the mirror. They are now at his command. Cut to some other scene. Cut back, and he is now like they are now dressed in colonialist uh, garb. Like, they're basically wearing uniforms. Even those, what are those hats called? The helmets, you know what I mean? Like, the sort of safari helmet, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they looked like they were, yeah, I mean, they're not pulling any punches. Like, it's pretty in your face what, what this is meant to represent. But so they're doing that. These are people who, I mean, they haven't invented a loom, even. Like, they, they, they don't have clothes the way that an industrialized society has clothes. So at some point he will have dressed them, and they'll have, they'll have been like, "Wait, wh- why why are you getting so close to me, buddy? <laughs> like, what's going on?" And he's like, "Oh no no, look at look at this mirror, look at this mirror. I got your soul, yeah, okay." And then he puts like pants on them, and you know, like it weird, super weird. I guess I took the implication as just because that is quite a, a drastic shift. It's that they are captives; they're shown to be their own individuals who are just in captivity suddenly he shows them a mirror and things go a bit weird and you're right there's no transition it's just next scene they're in the outfits yeah and, and so, they're doing everything exactly so they seem to have yeah, an understanding of it as well as the weird thing i think yeah but I mean, for I, example I like you, he, you can, one of them holds the button you know the explosion button the sorry the detonator yeah, the, they understand but he doesn't know what a button is he doesn't yeah. know what a bomb is you know so it's it's there's, there's a disconnect there. i'm sorry i keep talking over you no i'm trying to talk over you i think <laughs> we're talking together <laughs> oh, please go for it Okay, yeah, shall we shall I we progress there's... away from them then? Maybe you can explain to me what these two, what the old women and the little girl, uh, who are they? Are they also kinder? Why are they more advanced than the others? Why do they speak while everyone else is telepathic, etc., etc.? What? Why does one is sort of post hoc reincarnated as the other? I don't have an explanation, but I don't think I care. I thought that was quite cool. <laughs> yeah, <It's>, okay, <laughs> I, I think it was it was advertised that the women could speak. I think at one point... But there are and women I, among the kinder hippie group. That's what I thought. Um, and they don't say kind anything. Of, kind of broke that. Um, so I, I think you have to take it that, yeah, those two were different for some reason. I don't know what that reason was. And the whole spirit reincarnation, like knowledge passed down, I don't know. Yeah, no explanation whatsoever. I just yeah. thought, it, thought it was kind of cool. I know. I'd love to... Uh, I agree with there you. Was just, cool. There was just a weird, mysterious nature around those two. Like she... The older lady goes into a trance and then just dies sitting up. The best scene ever, by the way. Yeah. The, the, the medical doctor, Todd, goes up to this old lady, doesn't even feel her pulse, like doesn't even <laughs> check for a pulse and just goes, she's dead. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, she's pretty old. Maybe she's just snoozing. <laughs> Maybe well, wait 10 seconds and, you know, see if she feels better. <laughs> Maybe or, she'll move touch her at all because she's sat upright dead people generally aren't sat upright <laughs> yeah holding a cane <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah and it, that was really weird <laughs> we can wow well doctored <laughs> we can get to to the cliffhangers because i think they're all a bit nonsense like that oh um, of course that's a cliffhanger you're right <laughs> yeah but then the uh the girl 
And I, I think she is a girl. I think she's, she's not adult, is she? Um, no, she's a she, kid. Yeah, yeah. She talks about having seven fathers, <laughs> which is just bonkers. And I think, yeah, well, I mean, Doc, in the Doc kinder tradition, really she was. Well, I mean, yeah. Either it's an adoptive kind of situation, or the kinder just procreate by bukkake. Like it's, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we Doc's, shouldn't judge. Maybe some species do that. <laughs> Hey, each their own. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Doc, Doc's response to that is, uh, "Isn't that rather extravagant?" <laughs> quite special. <laughs> okay, so what I, I find those two really quite interesting as well. But that's another element that hasn't been substantiated, and I, I am bothered by it not being substantiated. I feel like they they should effectively be a third group here. They should be the going back to the Twin Peaks logic. They should be the White Lodge, and the Mara is the Black Lodge. You know, because they they are. Also, they also have an understanding of the supernatural, if you will, or of these interdimensional perils. And they also, I mean, no, sorry, there is something paranormal here as well, because one reincarnates into the other. Like They seem almost omniscient in the situation, yeah. in a way that the kinder definitely are not. So they are separate from them. The kid can communicate telepathically with the kinder. The old lady cannot. The old lady is blind as well, so she's being shepherded around by the kid. But those two, so those two don't know the same stuff as each other. They have two distinct personalities. One dies and then turns into the other. What? This poor girl, was she just like overwritten by the old lady? No, I think she has the immediate reaction of the old lady. But then I took it more as then they had, kind of, they had merged together effectively. Yeah. No, you're right. So maybe they're also some form of Gestalt. In fact, there's the parallelism of them and the Mara. Yeah. So they're the, the good Gestalt, the Mara's the bad Gestalt. I think you're right, actually. I think that isn't explained, but I think that makes the most sense that they are kind of yin and yang. Yeah. 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 Which is why it's so interesting. Like, we, we could probably talk about this series. I agree, man. It's super interesting. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's. <laughs> yeah. It, it is super duper interesting, but but it, it, it needs to. I I've wanted to be written slightly differently. Yeah, I I mean that's fair. There there are there are reasons to be frustrated, definitely with this. And I I find the Twin Peaks reference quite interesting because, like, I'm gonna go on record and say I do not understand Twin Peaks. Like, oh, I'm no s- one but David Lynch exactly. understands Twin Peaks perfectly. Yeah. Like, probably <laughs> not even Mark like, Frost. <laughs> Like fifty percent of it, I don't understand. You know, it's yeah, like a ridiculously yeah. high number. That's true, but everything is still substantiated, even if you don't necessarily understand what went through Lynch's head when he gets. But I don't know. You know, when when we see everything in, did you watch season three of Twin Peaks? Holy smokes! No, I've, I've when seen you the see what the Black Lodge looks like. Watch season three. It's you know, it's really trippy, man. Like if, if you enjoyed Tegan's weird, crazy heroin trip in what was it episode two of this you're gonna love season three of twin peaks because it's basically just that Um, but like (laughs) i mean there's so much stuff that happens there that like makes absolutely no sense to me but i still loved it because it is founded in a certain logic that is put forth by david lynch here you get those visuals but you get none of the logical or or societal context for it and for that reason it's it's like being thrown into season three of twin peaks right away without seasons one and two to to contextualize it to provide a foundation yeah i mean i guess that's they've only got four episodes the episodes are only 25 minutes like things are always going to be rushed if you're trying to take on a a big trippy thing like this it's yeah like which is often a fault with doctor who in general it you know it sometimes reaches a bit too far and yeah too much into those yeah exactly um 
So it, yeah, it's never for me going to be a absolutely high perfect serial because it's yeah it's trying to do too much and failing along the way yeah but i definitely give it a lot of props for trying that's for sure absolutely yeah same here uh, i i really want to applaud the, um, the the balls the bbc had to experiment and to really go out there yeah and i think until you get to the the big floppy giant snake which is which by the way i also <laughs> loved i'm sorry <laughs> You loved it. <laughs> I know you didn't. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Which, I mean, that that to me was just sort of low-budget BBC stuff. Up until yeah, it's that schlock. point. It's utter schlock. I think, yeah, I think it had been, not groundbreaking, but like the, the jungle sets were kind of cool. The the lodge thing was obviously yeah. really trippy. The yep. the base had wonderful like dome construction windows. It, like, oh, you felt yeah. you were production... in like a biodome. Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. The the same association I met as well. Yeah, production value wise, this is great. We need to talk about the tank, by the way. They put a lot of effort, a lot of money, and a lot of just you know working hours into this production, and it it shows. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Do you want to talk tank? Do, do, tank. Shall we talk tank and then go back to the plot? Because that tank, oh, holy smokes, is so good. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's ninety percent good, ten percent so shit. It's also good. <laughs> <laughs> what are the ten percent? Basically, the feet. <laughs> I love the feet. I love that this is a walking tank that the feet don't perfectly sync up with its movements. <laughs> but I don't care. It's great. It's basically like, hey, wear this cupboard <laughs> yeah. and walk through the jungle. <laughs> It's very cool. And it's it's driven, it's maneuvered by thought, and Adric manages to fuck it up by wearing said tank cupboard and like just being scared or something, and it all of a sudden just fires rounds everywhere. I thought that yeah. was really cool. I thought it was a very clever concept. I think it looks incredible. Honest, it looks yeah. like the Ed two oh nine. I'm sorry. As, yeah, I think it I think it is quite an interesting concept. Is again, maybe it's just not used well enough. Like that idea of it being thought controlled appears for that 30 second period like it's referenced once yeah. when doc first comes across it and then it comes back that's possibly even episode four you know and it's just for 30 seconds that Chekhov's gun is important you know and yeah exactly goes away Which again. is right that's how you should do it because otherwise okay imagine that they hadn't set that up in episode one or wherever and then in episode four oh it's firing rounds and we ask ourselves why did it do that and doc just goes oh it's because it's controlled and adric was scared we would go, well, what the shit, man? You could have told us this sooner, then we'd buy it. But you didn't, so we don't. And that's how I feel about pretty much every other aspect of this serial. <laughs> okay, oh, I see no, that. No, I'm going to give this such... I'm, oh. Sorry, I don't, Yeah, I was just say with the with the tank thing, I think it was too much lip service. It was just like, ah, it's mind-controlled. <laughs> and then not a factor at all throughout the entire serial. And then, yeah. oh yeah, it's mind-controlled. It fired when you were scared. Yeah, I don't feel like that was actually adding a lot. I like that it also had its own internal systems running, because in the in the beginning, when Doc and Andrew got taken to the dome by the tank, there's no one in the tank. It's on yeah. autopilot, and it's just sort of threatening them with its, whatever, its, its Gatling gun or something, just going like, oh, that way. Actually, it's not even saying anything. I don't know how it's communicating to them, like, no, your other left. You know, it, 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 it can never do that. But it's threatening them, and it's taking them back to the base, which almost makes me wonder, is there potential here to have this be... I don't want to replace the Daleks, obviously, but like th- this device could at some point just suffer a computer virus and go independent, you know, go rogue. And it looks badass. It looks really cool. I would uh, like to see a, a lone... What is it? A TSS? TTS? 
<laughs> Wait, <I was> like tits? <laughs> <laughs> what is I'm, it called? I'm supplementing a, a vowel or two there. That's fine. <laughs> TSS, total survival suit. Love Not it. Tits. Love it. <laughs> but yeah, I would, like in the same way with New Who, like I felt like the Delone Cyberman was a more interesting idea than shitty groups of Cybermen that get weird upgrades and stuff like that. Like, yeah, and like the Renaissance Dalek or whatever was was more interesting than thousands upon thousands and millions of Daleks that then just are CGI'd into an army that is just like literally any other sci-fi army you ever encounter. Yeah, exactly. And then the the culmination of it is they're hand waved by all flying into the TARDIS. You know, it's just the yeah the fact that they're an army is irrelevant, and it's just yeah it, it becomes bland. But when you bring it down into just like one character, yeah. So a T a rogue TSS unit, I think, as the the antagonist for an entire serial, could be quite cool. Yeah, I'm just yeah. agreeing with you with lots of words. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Big fan of agreement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hang on. Um, where where were we before? What were we what were we going to talk about? Because this was the tangent. <laughs> was it? I have no idea. <laughs> I was going to drop some trivia about the the kind of themes. Oh yeah, in yeah, this serial, which which you could come back to perhaps, I think, but I think this is going to overlap a little bit with the paradise point, so it's a, an excellent segue. Go for it. So this is just from from Wikipedia um, that there was apparently like this media studies volume that was that was done, and it was like a scholarly oh. work, like like analyzing Doctor Who, and they compared it to a novel called The World for World is Forest, which um, apparently shares a lot of themes. Okay. And they also said that it incorporates aspects of Buddhist and Christian symbols and themes. Yeah. Which I don't... And I mean, also I, I the, picked the up writings on all of the Carl Christian Jung. symbols, I think. Oh, sorry? Uh, sorry, also it said uh, there are elements of the writings of Carl Jung, which I, I don't know those references. So. so what Christian things did you pick up on? Because I'm not sure if I did notice a lot, really. Oh, so so I, I only picked up on the... In terms of the religious aspect, I only picked up on Christian symbolism. Oh, sorry. I don't want to say Christian, actually. This is This is... Old Testament uh, symbolism, but then later on, I also read in the trivia that there's a, a, a ton of Buddhist symbolism here. In fact, a lot of the names are taken directly from Buddhist law. Um, uh, okay. uh, Pana, Karuna, Anatta, Anika—they're all uh, various Buddhist individuals or, or devices. So, so there's a there's a lot of uh, oh, the Mara also. It's a I found here in my trivia a demon of the same name in Buddhist mythology. So, so oh, wow. there, there is okay. a lot of. Yeah, there are a lot of influences taken from Buddhism that I, I didn't pick up on. Uh, but in terms of the, the Judeo-Christian uh, symbolism, this this is paradise. I mean, this is Genesis. You're, they are in paradise. It's often referred to as paradise. There is a snake. Um, uh, yeah, there, true. there is the first time that we meet Dr. Todd, she is eating an apple and she offers the doctor an apple. Um, the um, the colonel, Colonel Sanders, he goes, you are not to eat. No, sorry. Uh, is it no, it's Hindle. Hindle says, you are not to eat uh, the fruit of this because he's like against nature, right? He thinks that nature is taking over. So he's like, you aren't to eat this apple. Todd eats the apple anyway and offers it to the doctor. It's like an Adam and Eve, which, which this is why in my notes I, I wrote down. So well, hang on. So the lady in, is in paradise and eats an apple against the colonel. I, I just wrote him as Colonel Ass Clowns against his advice. So does that mean that Hindle is God and she is Eve? And in giving Doc in brackets Adam an apple, does 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 that mean like? 
who is right and who is wrong here? Because Hindle is not the good guy, but he is in the <laughs> Judeo-Christian role of God, and she is in the role of Eve, the temptress, but she is really the good guy. Like There are a lot of... I'm assuming that the same goes for Buddhism as well, because I, I, I'm not that familiar with Buddhism, but I'm assuming the same goes for those symbolisms, that there's, you know, it's the matrix uh, phenomenon of, if we just take a few images and a few names, yeah. that adds profundity. So we'll we'll name this after something in Buddhism, but actually it ha- bears no relevance to that, or we'll have her give him an apple, but actually it makes no sense in the context of the symbolism. So... There is an element of that. Anyway, sorry. Oh, wow, I'm babbling. <laughs> no, that was really interesting because I, I did not see any of that, which makes me feel really stupid. But I guess oh, if, no, it not is, at all. if it is just the symbolism of an apple, yeah, there's not a lot to take from it, is it? And they're in paradise. I think it is often yeah, referred, sorry, not often, it's, at least on a couple of occasions, it is referred to as paradise. So it, it is sort of a garden of, of Eden scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, interesting. Like, I'm not buying that they were doing anything particularly groundbreaking with it. It's interesting that someone actually studied the serial as a as a teacher material. Yes, definitely. <laughs> kind of cool. But yeah, yeah I, that's fascinating. I feel like you're right. It's it's that kind of, oh, we've, we put in a reference here. It's not real in-depth interpretation of something with like a point to make or anything. It's just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so who wrote this? Uh, Chris Chris Bailey wrote this. Let me look him up. He wrote, oh, right. So he wrote Kinder. He wrote the sequel, Snake Dance. And then he wrote another one that was never produced, but was then adapted into a big Finnish audio drama called Children of Seth. Uh, okay. Hmm. So when is Snake Dance? Uh, let me just find it. I think it might also be a Davison one. Yeah, it is a Davison uh, one. Really yeah. soon, actually. Season 20, Serial 2. So next... It'll be next, next series. Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very exciting stuff. That's kind of cool, actually, to get it so close together. Because I, I think it would be a bit weird to come back to this in five years' time and people are like, who the fuck are the Mara? Like, or just like, there's this species called the Mara. Yeah. Okay, fine. Whatever. I mean, the Mara are super interesting. I'm, I'm entirely on board with what you're putting down, by the way. Like, I, I think all of these concepts are super interesting. Based solely on the screenshots that I've seen now of Snake Dance, I have a feeling that they're going to cheapen it and it's just going to be snakes galore. Like, everything oh is a snake. <laughs> <laughs> Nuance out the window. Snake dance, snake charmers, trouser snakes, snakes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Do you have somewhere neatly to go from this, or are you okay with discussing the shit bag go known as Adric? Oh, I have such a lovely piece of trivia about shit bag Adric. <laughs> okay. Which you may have found as well. <laughs> I I've not seen a trivia about him actually. So this will be new <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the um the, the chap who uh, who played Colonel Sanders is uh, Richard Todd, Oscar nominated actor, like a legend of screen and I believe stage as well. And I'm going to start this piece of one line trivia before I'm really sorry. I've like basically usurped your segue here. I'm so sorry. But 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 let me just start start us off on Fucking Adric, that massive asshole, who now I'm sure must be like halfway across his character arc. If no one knows I'm an asshole, which will then culminate in everyone knows he's an asshole. <laughs> Played by Matthew Waterhouse, still, you'll be glad to know, has not learned his lesson. Because <laughs> Peter Davison, I'm reading this straight off Todd's wiki, Peter Davison recalls Matthew Waterhouse taking the veteran actor Richard Todd aside to show him how to act. Much to everyone's horror. Oh, God. What is wrong with this guy? 
<laughs> so much is my initial thought. So much is wrong with this guy. There, <laughs> Podcast land, if you haven't listened to our previous classic reviews, our latest classic reviews, Matthew Waterhouse did this. Like in every episode, he took someone aside and went like, this is how you're an actor. <laughs> And Matthew Waterhouse is a child at this point. This serial, actually, I can't find the note this right this second, but I literally wrote down, due to his bad acting in this serial, this is the guy that keeps telling people how to act? (laughs) 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 There was a point where I think he was trying to be kind of duplicitous or something like that. He was like pretending like he, he didn't mean what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is I know the scene you're talking about. So, so bad. Like it was <laughs> it was child like child like nursery school level acting. It was atrocious. This starts off a whole sequence of events that feel like utter filler to me, which is a, a, a real redundancy because there's so much content to play with. There's so much, you know, narrative potential here that they don't need filler. This is definitely not a serial where you you add gratuitous scenes of people walking down corridors. But there's yeah. if it's the sequence of events I'm thinking of, it's when he pretends, for once, only pretends to take the bad guy's side. Doc is locked up in a cage, and Adric goes to the the screen and goes, Oh, I can see something on that screen. There's something bad there. Hindle goes and looks at the screen. Adric pockets his key and then goes, Oh, I must have been mistaken. There was nothing on that screen. Cut two. They walk down a corridor. Adric tries to give Doc the key. Hindle sees him give him the key. He doesn't give him the key. Or he gives him the key, but Doc has to give it back. Oh, yeah. That was an utter waste of a scene that could have been spent possibly grounding the reality of these multiple dimensions. Yeah, no, that was pretty terrible. Maybe I'm mistaken. There Maybe there are other scenes where Adric just shits the bed. I wouldn't be surprised. No, there was, there was a different one. I think it's the same sort of thing. And I'm also, again, not convinced he was trying to dupe the bad guys. I feel like there were points during the serials Shit. where he was blatantly just being an asshole and going, oh no, I'll help you out, guys. <laughs> And just not giving a shit about his cohorts at all. Well, to be fair, that has been his MO for the past two or three, possibly, serials. Which is really, yeah, like, it's really frustrating. Maybe the BBC said this. Because it felt like that's what he started out like. Or he started out as crap. Then they decided, ah, he's going to work well with a doctor. We're going to feed him loads of information. Like, he's been a Matardis. We're going to say he's a sponge. And he's becoming really useful. And for, like, two, Mm -hmm. three serials, we we were kind of getting to like him. He was... He was there forming a bond with, at the time, it was Tom Baker's doctor, and mm-hmm. he was being useful. And then it was like, that was all undone, and he started just being an arsewipe again. And it was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Did they, they made a decision to, to do this to the character? I don't know. Well, can I, ask, can I just point out that he is actually an arsehole from scene one as well? You're right that he sort of takes a step back and becomes a normal character for a while before re- regressing into his arsehole self. But in the very beginning, Nissa, who's, I mean, we need to talk about Nissa as well, but she's like written out of this serial. She's there, she's just discom- discombobulated. She can't think straight. She is not the genius that she is meant to be. She is uh, intellectually quite subpar. And Adric is 
putting her through the most demeaning game of checkers, like just beating her and yeah. just saying like blatantly out in the open, in public, in front of Tegan, oh, Nissa's hopeless in her current state of mind. Well, why put her through this then? Well, like, do you just want to lord over someone that they are, you know, she's had a concussion basically or something? That's a, that's a horrible thing for him to do. Yeah. He's no, he's just an arsehole in this one in general. It's let me he try blames and find Tegan, something. by the way, as well. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like I feel like that scene almost has a sister scene later on where yeah, he's just blaming <laughs> Tegan for falling asleep. But it's not. Like she she is influenced by something and basically gets knocked out, doesn't she? Like something yeah. makes her fall asleep and get that's possessed. Not her and fault. he Yeah, you are hundred percent right. He blames her for it. <laughs> terrible yeah and just sort of conveniently forgets that there was like in in uh the vampires whatever that one was called you know the one with vampires in a castle yeah he he took the side of the vampires <laughs> yeah. what was the other one where he took the side of the bad guys we have at least on one occasion had a case to say why is is he still part of this team because every single time he will just fuck up oh it was Fort of Doomsday. He took the side of, uh, what was his name? Uh, you know, the um, frog emperor. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, the Urbankan. Yeah. I mean, he should be getting kicked out of the TARDIS any second now, really. <laughs> yeah, someone shoved that guy into an airlock. He's, he's a liar. Have him, <laughs> have him sort of secondary school arithmetics level his way out of that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, I think we can establish Adric is shit. He <laughs> he wastes a lot of screen time. He's horrible to all the people he should be nice to. He, he's a terrible magician. He, he's a terrible magician. <laughs> he <laughs> buddies up to the colonialists, possibly as infiltration technique, possibly as genuine, oh, you seem like the right people to be on the side of history with. <laughs> possibly a bit of both who knows <laughs> yeah i'm I, i'm just uh, waiting for that inevitable world war ii episode with the fifth doctor and oh adric where, <laughs> where, where adric clearly takes the side of the nazis like that is a hundred percent gonna happen isn't it <laughs> oh dear okay so that's kind of par for the course almost there's been some wobbles uh -huh. with adric's character over over his run but yeah we're not expecting a lot from him what I give a massive negative in this serial four is it wasn't just mm -hmm. Adric that seemed to be blaming Tegan. When Doc says, ah. I forget how it's actually phrased, but it might be open to interpretation, but he like rolls his eyes. He's like kind of like coming, yes. like, like it's I, a realization to scene. him. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of like, oh, of course, Tegan was like the way that they got in, like the Mara got into our world. And it's, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's the little it's girl who tells him. Yeah. I think it's the little girl who tells him, oh, yeah, they travel through like your dreams, your subconscious near those crystals, uh, near the, the chimes. Right. He, yeah. yeah, you're right. He's just like, oh, Tegan, I knew it. I knew she would just ruin everything for everyone. <laughs> exactly. But what? Like, Doc, may I remind you, you just left your friend asleep on the ground yeah, on an alien not, planet. <laughs> I don't think you've been back once to check she, like, hasn't been eaten by a wild boar or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't even know if there are wild boars on this planet. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's not grass. Maybe that's what wild boars look like here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe all the plants are carnivorous and they're going to dissolve her with acid, you know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. That's a super good, super duper good point. Every, like the the moral high ground. <laughs> there are some sinkholes in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a definite low point for the Doctor in this serial for me. But I don't think it was an isolated instant either. I think I have a note shortly after that saying Doc's really patronizing to Tegan. So obviously when he goes back and she wakes up, he's, I don't know, just like his... His demeanor, I think, in general throughout this is very questionable. And I, yeah, I struggle to enjoy the Doctor in this serial. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I didn't consider this whilst watching it, but I think I agree with you. There's a lack of concern for Tegan and also for Nyssa. And it's obviously true that Nyssa is, I mean, we said this at the end of the the last classic in Four to Doomsday, that Nyssa was meant to just exit. This was not meant to be a Nyssa serial. So they just have this very, very in-your-face scene at the start where, yeah, she's got a headache, so she's going to sleep. But she's also just asleep for what we later uh, learn in part four, like two days. There's a moment where, no, more than two days, there's a line that I wrote down, which is not directed to Nyssa, but to Tegan, where Doc goes, Tegan, you've been asleep for two days. Oh, yeah. Two days? What the fuck? Like, how is she not dead? Nyssa is asleep in the TARDIS with a concussion or something, with like a space concussion. We don't know that she's okay. And Doc doesn't seem to care. Like, he's just left these people to their own devices. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, like, with... Like the understanding of like the production, you can hand wave the Nissa stuff a little bit. Like it still is really annoying. But the Tegan stuff is, yeah, that's part of this serial and it's just not dealt with nicely. And yeah, the Nissa thing though, it's like what, like any other serial, any other Doctor Who episode, you who, whatever, like they don't write out the companion because they realize if they've got a companion in the, in the episode, they need to do something with them. Nissa would have woken up halfway through and she would be stumbling through the jungle and would have like caused an upset somehow like that oh, that's what would have happened been, you know that's such a good retro rewrite that's exactly what this episode needed you're so right that's exactly what they should have done have her without any context walk out uh, it, like a 28 days later kind of scenario she's you know on her own the, the world is suddenly just a paradise <laughs> <laughs> She comes upon some hippies and like, oh, maybe I'll trust these people. Oh, no, they have a jester. Fuck jesters. And then <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, she she comes upon the tank, for example. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's crazy. Doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, let yeah. her be a disruptor. But I mean, that's blatantly or, what would have oh, happened if they, if, yeah, if they, if they hadn't made the weird decision of, well, maybe it's not weird, it's just they had no time at all to rewrite this serial. And it was just, it has to be a Nissa free serial. And yeah, anyway. Okay, well, I mean, here's a suggestion. Why not just have one single line in the beginning? It replace playing checkers with her. This can even be a line delivered by Adric. Like, give him some moral points. Adric could just say, Nissa, you're clearly not okay. I'm going to give you a, a drug that will let you sleep for a couple of days. And you can go and sleep it off in the zero room. And so when you wake up, you'll be back to normal. Done. Yeah. That's much better. Adric's well a done. hero because he's <laughs> diagnosed and offered a solution, and we now know why she's not part of the serial. Yes. And in nice. the previous episode, Solved we established, it. or two episodes ago, yeah, two episodes ago, we like established that there's such a thing as a zero room that just cures yeah. people. Yeah, puts her there. <laughs> right now, she's like, she's wandering around the TARDIS, probably getting lost because she has a concussion. She's probably urinated in a handful of corridors by now. And, and like, she like doesn't know what to do with anything. <laughs> That's it. The TARDIS is never used in this serial. Like, you could have sent her... Like, maybe it was a weird thing where she's... She was connected to the space where her planet used to be. 
and like she she yeah. needs to go back to the location of Truck and, and so she goes over there in the TARDIS for a couple of days and then comes back, you know. Or yeah. you know, so many different things. But you're absolutely right. The one we get of Adric being a shit to her is by far the worst you could think of. <laughs> That's because Adric clearly couldn't beat her at checkers if she didn't have a concussion. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about... This is perhaps something that I should have brought up uh, at the start when we were talking about different themes here, but there is something going on with the plants. There's an intention to bring attention to the plants. Hindle, he's doing sort of a Kurtz thing where he's... I mean, he thinks that the plants are out to get him, right? Or out to get everyone. That They're taking over. This is why he doesn't want Todd to eat an apple. And at the end of the serial, the doctor goes, I wrote down his final line, I think paradise is a little too green for me as well, says Doc. What's that supposed to mean? What? Again, I stand by the the ending is shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought we, we uh, established that there's nothing wrong with the plants and like who doesn't like a lawn, you know, like why, why is paradise too green? What have you got against flowers, man? So he says this because Todd has said this already. So yeah. Doc, yeah, in the t- transcript, Doc says to Todd, you're not tempted by paradise. And she says it was all right at first, but it's all a bit too green for me. So yeah, there's oh, not a lot a added to it. Sorry. But yeah, he, he I then Doc ends, said that. Yeah, he ends saying the exact same thing oh, I to see. the TARDIS crew. Like, Nissa comes like, and says, what? can we go? I've been asleep for two days. Can we go and do something now? <laughs> um, <laughs> What's going and on? Then, yeah, Doc says, you guys sure. look like you've encountered a giant snake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still in your trousers. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's in response to that, the Doc then goes, yeah, I, I think Paris is too green for me as well. Yeah, But yeah, it's weird. Not sure how I feel about that. I don't, yeah, the plant thing isn't a factor beyond Hindle's paranoia, is it? No, I don't think so. I think that's just him going totally bananas. That's just the Mara having an influence on him. And by the way, Doc has heard legends of the Mara. Like, he knows about the Mara. Why? Yes, true. Which, again, I don't think is explored. Like, we don't know what he knows about the Mara, do we? I think he just knows, like, oh, yeah, you're that, like, long-haired guy who was a carpenter on the set of Twin Peaks. Like, there's there's something... (laughs) He he has heard about them being the Black Lodge people. (laughs) But he doesn't know about the snake thing, does he? I, I feel like everything that is revealed about the Mara, he is it's surprised that snakes. by. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, you're so right. That's so true. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you can invade people's dreams? <laughs> the yeah. Mara I heard of was Kate Mara, the actress. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but it makes me think that the Mara aren't just locked to, you know, this planet. They're not in a... In, in the dimensions equivalent of this planet. You know, they're not on the upside down of Diva Loca. They are probably elsewhere as well. This other dimension permeates everything, just like our dimension does. And uh, and possibly he's had a run-in with the Mara before, or he's at least heard of someone who has. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's this kind of idea of legend, isn't it? He doesn't he doesn't really know them. But yeah, it's, a, it's just a weird thing to drop yeah. in without without additional information being useful to the Doctor. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a brag. It's this, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I know about the Mara. I, I read it in a book <laughs> once. <laughs> I did want to make a couple of references to actors in this. Serial. Oh yes, yes, please, yeah. So one thing I was quite surprised by, I I used to watch the Bill when I was a lot younger. Um, uh-huh. I haven't seen it for a long time. I think it probably finished quite some years ago. But the the cop show, guy, right? Yes, it was. Uh, once a week, Saturday 
thing, I think. Very popular in, in the UK, BBC production. I've, about... I've never seen it, but I know that we've had a lot of uh, Doctor Who actors who were on it. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a staple of BBC television. And yeah, the guy who played Ducker was, oh, what was the character? Reg something? PC Reg oh, Wallace. Oh, was he like a lead on the bill? Yeah, he was like a really long-serving character. And uh, yeah, he's unrecognizable as those two characters. They, they, I would not have pegged them being the same actor, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. And I get to play a Red Dwarf reference card. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Because the, yeah, the Kinder Jester, who I think is actually credited as Trickster, okay. um, yeah. is played by Lee Corns, uh, who, among... Many other things appeared in an episode of Red Dwarf as Lister's Paranoia. Oh, oh, I can see that. Nice. He's actually <laughs> appeared in a lot of interesting things. Like he was in The Young Ones, Blackadder, some Lenny Henry wait, stuff. Wait, he was in The Young... Wait, wait, whom did he play in Young Ones and Blackadder? Uh, the Young Ones, I think they're possibly... Is he just, just a, bit, a dude? ...bit characters. is listed as okay. Spaz Pecker and MC. <laughs> Spaz Pecker. That's such I, a Young Ones character name. I love it. <laughs> I'm hoping that's not as offensive as it could be. I, apologies. It's just, I feel it's like just the character name. But Well, I feel like that's he must have been one of Aid Edmondson's friends in... As in, like, Aid Edmonds, Edmondson's character's friends uh, in Young Ones. Yeah, quite possibly. forget what his name is. Spike? Is his name Spike? Oh, uh, whatever his name that. is. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's appeared in 2, 3, and 4 of Blackadder as, as like... Minor what? characters in episodes as well. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Like, look, French and Saunas, Rapsy Nesbitt. Like, he, he pops up uh, bottom. Yeah, he probably has a connection to AWS yeah, and all yeah. okay. Rick Yeah. <laughs> loved Young Ones, loved Bottom, loved, still love Bottom, <laughs> loved Hale, um, loved uh, Blackadder. However, confession, never, ever seen French and Saunders. I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. I've seen lots of it. <gasps> I don't, oh, don't okay. really remember the yeah, sketches. Cool. Yeah. Fine. I'm. Yeah. Okay. I. I <laughs> no longer feel bad time. about this. <laughs> I've got an uh, an actor bit of trivia here as well. Oh, it, there was another one to to mention. Maybe you're going to mention it. Oh, okay. go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I, no, 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 it no. might be the same one. It might be the same one. Oh, oh, do it. Do it. Do it. It's about a child actor in this one. Oh, okay. Oh, it's not the same one. Oh, interesting. Among the hippies, the kinder, there, there are a few kids, and one of those kids, uncredited, is Johnny Lee Miller. No way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I wonder if it's his very first appearance in anything. I don't know. He's just a child. Wow. I didn't possibly. like this serial enough to go back and, like, fast forward to find Johnny Lee Miller. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to Google Johnny Lee Miller kinder. <laughs> yeah, the, the other connection I thought you might have mentioned, actually, I recognize the actress who plays Todd. She's called Neris Hughes. I yeah. I don't I don't know her from the things that she is famous for. So she is really famous for all the Liver Birds, which oh what sorry I think the Liver Birds, which is a uh, late sixties seventies sitcom. Okay, yeah, I don't know. That I one. have I have never seen, but again, it, you know, it's a, a BBC staple that lots of people from a generation slightly older than us would definitely know and recognize. Okay, cool. Uh, I've just googled John Lee Miller Doctor Who Kinder by the way and yeah sure enough there he is I couldn't recognize him he was he was a child you know he was of that age where basically all human beings look the same so um, <laughs> I wouldn't have recognized him uh, he's wearing a sarong and a double helix that he doesn't know the scientific background of um, but yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> okay shall we do cliffhangers good oh I am on the edge of my seat let's do it <laughs> <laughs> okay Actually, wait before we do here's a word from our sponsors <laughs> leave a cliffhanger for the cliffhanger segment 
<laughs> Sorry, go for it. <laughs> oh, I really want you to quickly come up with a jingle to put in there. <laughs> Some random <laughs> bicarbonate of soda product. <laughs> oh no, mommy. <laughs> I'm really thirsty, but I don't have any bottles on me. That's okay. Have a Capri Sun. It's a little baggie that you can fill with your own urine. You can drink it whatever you want to. Thanks, Mom. Do 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 do. Who back when? Brought to you by Capri Sun. <laughs> but Mom, Sorry. I need a straw. Don't worry, Timmy. It comes with a straw. Hey, yo. <laughs> and the the Oscar for worst improvised advert goes to. Oh, oh God! I'm really crossing my fingers. I really want to get this Oscar. <laughs> It goes oh, to it's not us. No, damn it, it's not guy. us. Yeah. It goes to that other podcast that did an improvised uh, ad for snowshoes. Their shoes made of snow. <laughs> they don't work in the summer, but it's fine when it's cold. Anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> I think, I, I think Campari Spritz yeah. hit me. <laughs> I think you are right. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, sorry, cliffhanger. <laughs> okay, cliffhanger. Episode one is basically Hindle getting control of the kinders. And yeah, but like the best line delivery ever. Please give Podcast Land your best rendition of this line delivery. I actually don't quite remember how he does it. Okay, I'll just do it how I would do it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I have the power of life and death over all of you. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm not going to lie, except, well, you know what, that's a lie in itself, I, I am going to lie, but, I mean, very nearly some we went out there, like, that was super <laughs> exciting. <laughs> oh, wow, this Campari, I, who knew? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess in some ways the, uh, that's a nice cliffhanger, because it's just, it's a threat, it's not quite a, you can't get out of this situation thing. They're, they've been captured, I think, is the... The end of that, and at the same time... Wait, 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 wait. In part two, there's something else to that cliffhanger, I feel. Did it's I the miss box. a thing? Yeah, my, my next note is... That's the end of the next one. But start start a part oh, okay. two, we get to see the the first thing of the wise woman and the girl with the box. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right. I'm mixing them up. But yeah, we don't go back to... I don't think we go back to the cliffhanger, per se, uh, for a while in episode two. At least I don't have notes about it. Mm. Maybe I wrote, wrote bad notes. But yeah, the cliffhanger for episode two is the mm. threat of Hindle saying to open the box. And it's like, open it or I'll have to have you shot. And then Doc opens the box and Todd screams for some reason. Yeah, because it's a jack in the box. It's a jack in the box with nothing in it that apparently cures you. Can we, can we, can we just take a quick break from, from cliffhangers to talk about this fucking box? What? <laughs> why put a jack in the box? Why put a, why put a, like a spring-loaded clown inside the box if that box is a medicine delivery system <laughs> do not use if needing cure of heart attacks yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty dumb but but also i can't remember do we see sanders open the box beforehand like he's I opened think it he at op- this point hasn't he? he yeah he does he he's in the tits machine and like his hands go out of that the tank, he holds onto the box. Which, by the way, a lovely element of this prop that the oh yeah, I guess like the front or possibly the arms of the tank they go aside, and his actual hands 
uh, he's able to reach out into the world. It's really lovely, lovely detail. But he holds the box. He opens it. There's no jack in the box that just bukkakes him. But he opens it and he smiles like dementedly at whatever's inside as he's being cured, quote unquote, slash yeah. turned into a child. I feel like maybe so, they should have had a few more trials in the kinder med labs before they re- <laughs> wheeled out that one. Well, the weird thing is that the old lady seems to then talk about it as if it was expected to do that to humans. I don't know. Maybe she's just talking after yeah. San- Sanders has had the impact. Anyway. Maybe it's just, I mean, it's just a short-term thing, perhaps. It's the, it's the equivalent, like, I mean, we're, we're all slowly but surely getting the um, uh, COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, unless we're anti-vaxxers or incredibly unfortunate for whatever reason. But, I mean, slowly but surely we're all getting it, right? And we know that there's going to be a period right after it where we feel a little bit dodgy for maybe a few days and then we're back to normal. But here it's like, yeah, uh, take this evil <laughs> vaccine. It really, really sort you out. But for a couple of days there, you're going to want to blow up the planet and... Um, <laughs> You may want yeah. you may inadvertently kill people and pretend to steal their souls with a mirror, but aside from that, fine. Basically, this box should be accompanied with a larger box to seal yourself inside for for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's so good. Why don't they do that? Like, it, it, the box is the size of yet another closet, and it's not that you open it and it like punches you in the face. It op- you open it, you go inside, you close it, and then. It's like a steam room, you know, you come out two <laughs> days later and your your pores are clean and you're no longer evil. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I've t- totally derailed this. Uh, yeah, cliffhangers. <laughs> <laughs> While I pour but, myself yeah, the, more Campari. The real question over that is, you're right, we see Sanders open the box. We don't see a jack in the box. So who puts the fucking jack in the box in the box Sanders. before it gets... Gets, like, is, is he meant to have done this <laughs> as a really maybe. hilarious practical joke? <laughs> so, Actually, no, yeah, maybe this is... That makes sense. That's fucking Shit, par for the sense. course because he starts this serial playing a joke on Hindle, putting on like a tribal oh mask. Oh my god, you're jump. so right. I totally didn't get that. Nor I. You're so right. That's exactly what's happening. He's really playful but, in the beginning. And then, yeah. oh, yeah, the Kinder Cure actually just enables him to be more playful. I think. Oh, dude, that, I'm loving that the cereal right now. <laughs> it would have landed better if he was able to hold a conversation, like, after opening the box. Like, he's just a simpleton after he opens the box. Like, he would not have been capable of putting a jack-in-the-box in there. You know what? I loved him after he had opened the box. I I loved him, this this um, older, white-haired, mustachioed gentleman acting like a child. I thought he was he was so incredibly playful and happy-go-lucky that he was suddenly sympathetic. Yeah. So I'm on board no, with it, dude. I agree. And I you've agree. just yeah. freaking Sherlocked this for me. This <laughs> is good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So episode three okay, okay. Yeah, started with the Jack in the Box and yeah, it's it's the it's a bit more than that. Lights go out, weird weird yeah. wobble wobble stop. Episode three ends with what we have already talked about, the scene with uh Panna dying. <laughs> dying whilst sat upright and yes, the <laughs> the science officer going from afar, she's dead. <laughs> I'm not even examining her, but she's dead. <laughs> Yeah, and also the Mara somehow, like, they gas people, right? They gas, uh, th- there's lots of smoke everywhere, or gas everywhere, and the jester, the clown, I-, I thought he was being murdered by the Mara. And then sadly in part four, I've just written, like, oh god, the jester isn't dead. But, but I mean, I-, I thought that he died. Like, this is when the Mara's taken over one of the long-haired, sarong 
chaps. Yes, Aris. By the way, great hair, everyone. This episode, this serial, blew its budget on conditioner. Everyone has perfect like, <laughs> shoulder-length hair. <laughs> it's all the natural products they've got access to. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is after... Yeah. The weird vision that is, I feel, not in the slightest explained why they have the vision, what it's meant to signify, and what actions they do to prevent that vision from coming true. Other than, obviously, destroying the snake. But yeah, it, that was bonkers to me. Yeah. Nice. And so then, overall, would you say that... Oh, sorry, go for it. I was going to say that, yeah, the, the start of episode four is is just, again, what we talked about before of Panna going uh, like actually being dead and her yeah. essence and knowledge going into karuna yeah yeah not through any like, scientific deduction but through sheer coincidence the scientist was right <laughs> yes yeah, nice. <laughs> so overall would you say are you happy with these cliffhangers i think so i think the content in some of them is a bit weak but the setup for all of them was, was actually pretty good yeah 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 i'm on board nice I think I just have one last thing because I I would like to talk a little bit more about Hindle as like we we mentioned Sanders regressing to like a child like persona and I think yeah I've already said but we haven't really discussed that Hindle does this too and then the both of them are playing together and we get the the wonderful deranged Hindle moment of you can't mend people <laughs> which <laughs> I think is forever ever stuck in my brain which is just amazing <laughs> uh and many thanks to neil for sending the gif of that that scene which might also help it stick in my brain for her <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah thank you very much neil at neil androzani when that t- tweet came in i had not yet had you t- watched the serial i had not yet watched the serial just i hadn't saw completed this- it yeah i hadn't oh, okay it. yeah so you knew who he was though you could you recognize the character yes in fact i, 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 mean, I knew <laughs> that would that would be a, an appropriate thing for that character to do as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> that setup they're they're sat around basically playing with a fort and making people to put in their fort <laughs> whilst hindle is still doesn't... threatening the planet you know it's yeah Oh, actually, you know what? I I want to I want to talk about that as well. But it, b- before we switch over to that, it, isn't there a moment where he's like he's doing the equivalent of hiding in a cake? He's hiding in a box. Oh yeah. And Sanders says something like, "Oh, don't, you know, I well, I don't I can't remember what he says. Like, I don't know where Hindle is." And then Hindle jumps out of the box like he's Erica Eleniak in Under Siege. <laughs> and uh, then he's really angry at Sanders for like ruining the gag or something. I can't remember. There are so many occasions, by the way, when he is distracted by playing with toys or hiding in a box or whatever, that Doc could literally just walk over to the the Kinder chap wearing the helmet. I just looked it up. Pith helmet uh, um, yeah. is what it's called, and like literally just take the button away from him to like. Do you do you mind? Can I just disconnect this? In fact, you can have the button back. I'm going to disconnect it from the bonds. I th- I think there are a couple of scenes, maybe it's earlier on, where they do try and do things like that, and Hindle always spots them, and then and like, yeah, don't fi- do that. Yeah, they finally. Oh, you're right. There is a fight as well. They finally do do that though. Like, yeah, there's a scuffle and. Todd grabs the box and she uses it as a distraction to stop Hindle yeah. from pressing the button. You know, I I found all that wonderful. Like, it's not perfectly done, but yeah, just the idea that he's he's so unhinged, but like a childlike 
fascination with everything and so she you know she gets the box and is like what's that i, I need to know what's in that <laughs> you know uh, yeah it's really cool <laughs> I, was, I wanted to ask something else about detonating all these bombs because we've both been saying like basically destroy the world destroy this planet but it's not that is it it's just destroy the dome it's just basically blow up themselves and the two maybe three kinder who are under their spell for lack of a better word you know what i think you're right i because I I do feel like maybe just let them do that. <laughs> like this is a pretty easy way out of this this uh, conundrum, this problem. Have them commit suicides, which is obviously not the ideal scenario, but at least they're not going to kill an entire species in the process. The worst thing that happens, the 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 worst consequence is that the kinder then have to tidy up the jungle because <laughs> there'll be <laughs> rubble everywhere. But like okay, fine. There won't be I any think... more colonizers, the kinder won't be subjugated, uh, yada, yada, yada. And the Mara will be stuck on their side of, of the dimensional shift. Yeah, I'm not necessarily disagreeing that maybe someone should have let this happen, but I I feel like it's implicated that the explosion would be a bit bigger than the dome. We don't know necessarily oh, okay. how big. Like Maybe the kinder population is threatened. Maybe oh, okay, yeah. just some of their environment is. I don't know. Yeah, that's a bit. The funny. Navi tree is like parked, it's planted right next to the dome. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you blow up the dome, the tree is going to fall over, and the Navi like, oh no, but we want to have tail sex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it, Navi. I, I get it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Writer Rooney and Cheesecakes, we have arrived at the Our Minis section of this podcast episode. Jim Rooney, do you want to start this off, or would you rather lean back, put your head, hands behind your head, and go, mm. no, 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 you take this bullet, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that. <laughs> put my hands behind my head. Well, you take this All bullet, right. why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here I go. <laughs> Okay, well, you will be glad to hear, Jim Cakes, that you have successfully talked me up. Uh, because this is no longer mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the, the the failed, albeit admirable, attempt by the BBC to pre-make Twin Peaks in advance of its actual production that it started off as, in, in my mind. This may be a serial that I rate, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that I rate relatively highly, solely for its experimental chutzpah and intention, but I will never, ever rewatch because in the back of my mind, I know that I'm probably deluding myself. Black Lodge, fantastic stuff. I look forward to replaying those sequences in my nightmares, but made no sense whatsoever. White Lodge Lady and Girl, fantastic stuff. They're sort of a sisterhood of Khan meets the Bene Gesserit, but made no sense. Hindle and Colonel Sanders turning into children, fantastic stuff. Made no sense, though, because see the last hour or so of our review. As for Team TARDIS, I really missed Nyssa here. Tegan did nothing and Adric was a dick, as he is prone to be. If... Okay, if for argument's sake, we say that I start off at a a 5.0, because it's Doctor Who and uh, I adore Doctor Who, I would then still need to rate it down, because the Doctor's acting out of character, the companions are underused, the plot is fragmented and unfounded. Uh, I I like messianic sci-fi stories uh, uh, that involve prophecies about chosen people as much as the next guy. I'm practically throbbing for Villeneuve's upcoming adaptation of Dune. But while we get Chekhov's messianic prophecy here, it never comes to fruition. We didn't talk about this, but the, the way that the Mara is introduced in the Kinder Society is like, like the guy is no longer just telepathic. He speaks. 
and there's a prophecy of like a kingdom messiah that can speak oh, and this yeah, isn't that guy this is just the mara but like why set that up you know like it, it's it's weird i don't understand it it never it, like it doesn't pay off and on top of oh god on top of all of these things that don't make sense and i must have listed like what five six things now in this tiny little mini i've mentioned this on the show before i hate clowns <laughs> they're a waste that is just like i i mean uh, i appreciate oh you know inside every clown there's a sad person blah blah, blah. fuck off okay you could have become an accountant, okay? That's better. Why did you choose this? <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, I've got a thing for clowns. Against clowns, I should say. Plus points, however, to this serial for it being, you know, the thought that counts and for the production value being quite literally out of this world. So I am giving this a 2.8. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh no! Should I change my rating? Should I change my rating? Nah, no, no, it. don't do it! Don't do it! Are you on like a four point three or something? <laughs> Time will tell. Uh, that was awesome. Well done, Mister Leon. Very Thank good you. Points. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're basically going to agree the exact same things and then just put a different number on it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. really, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, because I am basically same page club, like. Hindle, I really loved. Sanders, I really loved. Todd, Panna, and Karuna. Yep, yeah, all doing well. We didn't really talk about Ducker himself. Like, I thought oh, yeah. he was awesome. Obviously, throughout most of the serial, it's not him, it's the other actors playing that character. But in the Black Lodge scenes, yeah, yeah that was really cool. Absolutely. Just some, like, emphasizing how much I adored Hindle's, like, unhinged behavior. A couple of quotes of anything or anybody gets in here and boom! We explode ourselves to bits. <laughs> I quite like. And a very relevant quote to that being when he's being kind of talked down from stuff. Uh, I can blow the world up after, can't I? Yeah. <laughs> Which oh, I quite quite like that. Yeah, it's a very interesting and I think good performance as well. I, I didn't actually note down the actor that played Hindle, but yeah, very good. Yeah, I kind of liked Tegan in this one as well. We we've not spoken mm. a lot about her. But I think the small, like, meaty bits she got, like, she was the focus of the story in small segments, as it were. It's and I think true, when yeah. she was the focus of the story, yeah, she was really good. But two big <laughs> thumbs down for Adric. <laughs> oh, my God, I hate that guy. <laughs> a thumbs down for the fact that we don't have Nissa. There's basically no Nissa. And a thumbs yeah. down for the doc. Like, I didn't enjoy the doc in this. Apart from one thing I will highlight being uh, Karuna's... Conversation with the doc about, are you an idiot? Well, I suppose I must be. I've been called one once many times. <laughs> and then Panna saying, keep silent, idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lovely little scene. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up also for production. We talked about this already. The two thumbs up for the ambition in the storytelling, the the ideas of like this weird Black Lodge mental line, landscape, whatever. But alongside that, you do have a little thumbs down of just the unexplored and undeveloped nature of some of those aspects, which leads to a frustrated feeling. I also have a big thumbs down for the whole ending with the big snake and evil not being able to face itself so you can make a circle of mirrors. I don't care yeah. that it's explained Ugh. as being a legend to do with the Mara. That's not good enough. It's shit. Yep, <laughs> agreed. The other thing I hate about the ending is Tegan being blamed by the men, like Doc and Adric. Not, so not true. Cool yeah, with that. So true. Yeah. No, really no absolutely. Shit. You're absolutely right. 
But end on a plus yeah. note because this rarely happens, and I really liked that Doc actually gave a, a nice farewell to Todd. Like it's, I like yeah. getting a farewell at the end of these serials, and we very rarely get it. So for me, basically the same sort of feeling I think you had, Mister Leon. But I please, Mister re- Leon was my father. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. De- derailed. <laughs> <laughs> I I still really enjoyed this. I probably aren't. I'm not going to rush and rewatch it, but for thirty three years, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the images from it will stay with me more than a lot of serials in a positive mm-hmm. way. So Good. I'm going to go quite a bit higher than you oh, with no. a three point nine. Oh, three point nine. That's so close to a four. You crazy it's person. So close. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well done. <laughs> What's it like in the big hard club? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if it's a really lonely place or not. <laughs> oh, I think you're going to be in good company. I think this is like generally considered to be a really good serial. I think people like this. Um, I'm hoping well, at least we... one member of Podcast Land is going to be on my side, though. I mean, come on, please, guys. <laughs> I, I'm anticipating a split, actually. We'll, we will yeah? see very shortly as we go into the yeah. minis. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron! And thus, we have arrived at the listener mini section of this podcast episode. And holy moly, Podcast Land, once again, you have delivered. We have no less than 12 listener minis for this one. Thank you, huge thank you, and a socially distanced hug to all of you for sending these uh, these minis in. Yeah, uh, we love you guys. You so this is great. Yeah, awesome. We're stuff. gonna recently we've been like just dipping in and out. We've read little excerpts of minis here and there, but to keep you guys on your toes, we're gonna read them in their full splendor today. That's right. Buckle up. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we're starting off with Stephen from Canada. From Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Stephen. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. (laughs) I was doing that to the tune of Viva Las Vegas, by the way. Just, I don't know if anyone picked up on that. (laughs) Oh, right. I didn't get that. Okay, good. Noted. Stephen starts. After Nyssa faints for no apparent reason, the Doctor and crew decide to take a load off on a seemingly pleasant planet. As can be expected with this setup, not all is as it seems. The native population, the Kinder, are being studied by invading colonists who think, It ain't half hot, mum! <laughs> but everyone remembers it for the big pink snake. Did we watch the same episode, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> there are moments that hold up better and that I found much more enjoyable. Tegan's trip to the dream void was very surreal. The people within were incredibly disturbing, especially Eminem's snake-tattooed Shakespearean ancestor. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, I loved these moments. Excellent. There is an extreme disconnect, however, between the nightmarish dreams and the comparatively jovial colonial material. The story seems to lack an aesthetic and thematic throughline. I found it to be somewhat of a mess. Yes, Dagenabit. Costumes look great, though are a bit on the nose, with the savages in skirts and colonists in jackboots and pith helmets. The sets were also well made, and even the effects, though they don't live up to the writer's vision, are certainly ambitious and hold up better than those in many other serials. Overall, the story is a bit messy and not as enjoyable as I had hoped. It earns 2.5 overexposed Tegan clones out of 5. 
says Stephen. That's excellent nice. stuff. Straight yeah. down the middle. That's right. And pretty close to a perfect score. Thank you very much, Stephen. From Thank you, Stephen. Who's next, dude? Next up, we've got Ed Corbey. Mm, hello, Ed. <laughs> Hi there, Ed. Ed starts. We see a problem that besets classic Who. Writers often don't know about companions leaving slash arriving when the story is written, so fast rewrites are needed. Thus we get abrupt departures, see Romana, and here Nyssa and Tegan are written out for most of this serial, with Todd doing most of the companion work, presumably because it was faster than writing them in properly. Yeah. We are introduced to the three survivors of a pre-colonization expedition. I thought they were eccentric caricatures. I hadn't seen anything yet. The Doctor cheekily invites himself for food, and then gets Adric to eat both portions, presumably checking for poison. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Episode 1 does a good job of setting up mysteries. Who are the sinister dream people? What's with these natives? What happened to the crew? Actually, yes. What did happen to the crew? (laughs) Yeah, spoilers. No one will find out any answers to any of these questions. (laughs) Ed continues... Hindle's job is to add threat early on and is then moved aside so he can't interfere with the main plot. This is done in such a poor way. If you can have three people in a scene and Adric is the least annoying, you messed up. <laughs> Ed continues, Davison's gentler doctor endeared him to me as a child, but it makes him so passive in this story that he seems incapable of action. Even Hindle becomes a significant obstacle. His younger selves would have just charmed, confused, or karate chopped their way past him. (laughs) I guess that snake's the best they could do, says Ed. It's painted nicely, though. (laughs) Starts well, but over-focus on annoying characters makes it a drag. And he gives this, what, Jim? Why, very similar to the previous score of, identical even, (laughs) (laughs) 2.5. 2.5. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm very pleasantly surprised. I was expecting this to be, like, way, way higher. (laughs) He said, (laughs) jinxing the situation. (laughs) Lovely stuff. Ed Corbett. Thank you. Or Corbet. (laughs) Or Corbet. Thank you very much, Ed. Who we got next? Why, it's Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Kieran starts. Hi, folks. I get the feeling that this is a Marmite story for the fans, and just like the spreadable yeast, I like it. (laughs) Definitely a case of the show trying things. We have heavy doses of psychological horror combined with colonialist overtones to give a very unique atmosphere to this one. Though entirely studio-bound, I feel the jungle mostly works. Peter Grimway directs well in his third story, which was plagued by technical issues, Though in the finished program, they aren't that noticeable. The scenes in the Mara's dreamscape are very trippy, and Hindle's descent into madness is quite impactful. Heavy on Tegan, and Adric also has plenty to do. Nyssa, sadly not. Apparently the script was written before the companion lineup was confirmed. Thus the writer had to pull a moon base and have Nyssa out of it ill for the majority of the story, rather than rewrite everything. Actually, I mostly like Adric in this one, while he does side with Hindle. It's made very clear that this is a ploy and not for real i still don't buy it (laughs) (laughs) anyway kieran continues i like how the sonic screwdriver is taken out of the story to help nissa and the doctor says the fateful words of what would he need it for which of course is at the start of a story but still low (laughs) yeah (laughs) really 
says Kieran, the only thing that lets it down is the really ropey giant snake. Apparently, really the aforementioned <laughs> apparently the aforementioned technical issues forced them into having to do it like they did. So Kieran gives this. Oh God! Four out of five psychic jack in the boxes. <laughs> Holy moly! That is oh wow, Kieran, big heart. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Really, really good stuff. People who are not Kieran uh, ought to congratulate Kieran on his big hearts. He can be found on Twitter at KJ Evans. What, Jim? Two. That's That's the number. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Next up, we've got Peter Zunich. It's the Zunmeister. Hey there, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter starts, Kinder might as well be the definition of dichotomy. For every wonderful element, there's a totally cringeworthy, what the fuck were you thinking, to go along with it. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> both so well. <laughs> <laughs> so then, happy Kinder. Tegan is great. Adric is actually good. Until he unfortunately is given the same line to say 40 times in a row. Can I go walkies, please? Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Davison is a joy to watch. The supporting cast is exceptional. The exploration of the mind, the differentiated insanity, the layers of controversial issues, the artistic design, the box, the jester, the idea of the Mara. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this mini's really getting to you. Are you okay? <laughs> Peter continues with, not we. I find it funny that with three companions, the doctor spends all his time with someone else. Who puts stupid stampy feet on the robot that clearly rolls along on wheels? Plus 10 for symbology, but seriously, a box made from twigs? That's your plan? Aris's inflatable rubber snake? Please, Blu-ray, just one modern computer animated serpent. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Peter continues, Kinder explores both the literal and figurative loss of the mind, and and does it so much better than modern Who's seasonal mental health episodes. I understand why this isn't going to be everyone's favourite. Nevertheless, it somehow has great rewatchability. It's not full of action, but it's such a beautiful and headstrong character study. There are indeed several layers of genius, but honestly, there are some things here that might make me embarrassed should anyone see me watching it. (laughs) Still, I must be out of my mind because I rather enjoy this story. And he gives this a, what's in the box? It's a (laughs) 3.3. Whoop, whoop. Nice stuff, Good stuff. That's really freaking incredible. That's a really, really good mini. Thank you so much, Peter. <laughs> Indeed. Awesome stuff. Thank you. Who's next, dude? Next up, we've got Chris Stapps Paddock. What up, Chris Stapps? What up, indeed? Chris Stapps starts, having trashed the Davison era in my Castrovalva review, let me say that Kinder is one of my favorites of all classic Who serials. Oh, wow. I told you there were things to look forward to. In the past, colonialism stories have been about morality and justice in a material sense, but here the focus is on the personal and psychological effects of colonialism. Hindle is one of whose most effective, best-acted people to, who go crazy, and even Tegan has a great storyline as we delve into the nothingness, then witness her come back as evil, in brackets, sexy, question mark, Tegan. <laughs> um... Uh, 
I mean, you know, the ghosty boss. <laughs> Chris Apps continues. There are big nods to Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse mm. Now. Yeah, definitely. But Kinder has enough original material that's not strictly a cut and paste job. And the references to other works don't stop there. Apple in the Garden of Eden, anyone? Exactly. Additionally, the script explores an alien culture and religion in a depth that who never has done before. It's practically an anthropology class in kinder culture. In all, there is so much to appreciate here. I still can't quite love Peter Davison, but I love this story. And Chris Apps gives this <gasps> 4.5 people who can't be mended out of five. <laughs> Such Whoa. a good... Oh, what a good rating system. Holy smokes. Oh, and even a bigger heart. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> Just side, sidebar, Chris Tapps. Marie literally burst into the room as she heard me reading out uh, the end of your review to say, I approve of this review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> Chris Tapps, you have possibly even a, an even bigger heart. What? This is not so. Thank you very much for sending that in. Excellent, Mini. I, I like the Heart of Darkness slash Apocalypse Now re- um, reference. Mm. Very good. Good stuff. Next. Why? We have... Tracy, Tracy from, from America. America. <laughs> Hello, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Tracy starts. Let's get to it. I think I'd like to assess personalities. Adric is around to make the rookie mistakes, and he is always ready to be deceptive. Do a lot of companions do this? It feels unique. I'm not sure I agree with that, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm still buying, not buying this. Adric was really a um, criminal, not criminal, but you know, like a, a mastermind yeah, of think, deception. <laughs> I, I think that was the case here, but I don't think it's been the case beforehand. I think previously he was just a massive turncoat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go for it. Tracy continues, this doctor is polite and quiet to the point where it puts you off your guard. I love this approach because it's fantastic for people you like and want to be nice to. It also works well against opposition who are not expecting such polite demands and sometimes gets results. Hmm. Tegan holds on for an admirable length of time against the Mara. She's in there for like two days and Doc is very short with her. Adric, a bit worse. Tegan is fantastic. Oh, oh, interesting. We've got some contrasting views of Tegan here. Mm. Tracy continues, a note to the podcasters. Oh, that's us. Okay, you guys (laughs) can stop giving the companions hell for touching things. (laughs) In dinosaurs on a spaceship. (laughs) I love companions touching things. What are you talking about? In dinosaurs (laughs) on a spaceship, (laughs) Amy has a line about how travel with a doctor means you show up and push buttons. And I bet you both ate that up. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't remember, but yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue with this. Like, that sounds like, like us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you probably have a point. <laughs> and Tracy's rating is: Anyone ever told you to ask a lot of questions? It's by training. I'm a scientist. Solid rating from Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Numerically totally dubious. <laughs> Understand exactly what you were going for. (laughs) People who are not Tracy may want to ask Tracy what that rating means. They can do so by looking Tracy up on Twitter. She can be found at... (laughs) That's Fountain Tracy backwards. Almost. Almost. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, slight delay there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that probably just came out as a mess. (laughs) Who is next? Next, we've got Eddie Parkinson. Hello, Andy. And 
real chap and submitted both a maxi, which you can read on the website, and a mini, which we will read for your earballs now. And spoilers, they both start the same, which is a bit like this. What. The. Fuck. <laughs> All caps. <laughs> <laughs> Either those two paracetamol I've just taken were really LSD, or this serial is one of the most bonkers batshit stories ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the serial. Something of a jumble of stories mixing mysticism, an allegory about colonialism, and an officer going full-on Colonel Kurtz. We get a list of likes, a great guest cast, including Richard Todd. Guy fucking Gibson himself gives a great turn as Sanders. He has a real twinkle in his eye. According to Todd's wiki, Matthew Waterhouse apparently tried to give Richard Todd, Oscar winner, actually nominee, some acting advice. However, it also says later, this is a myth, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I I didn't want to know that that was a myth. I preferred hating Matthew Waterhouse. (laughs) I'm still okay with hating him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, I'm sure Jim would have already spotted that the trickster is played by Lee Corns, who would later play Paranoia and Red Dwarf. I did spot that. Yes. Thank you for also spotting it. (laughs) (laughs) I love how Podcast Land really knows us by this this point. (laughs) That's so good. Next like, the colony-based sets actually look really Agreed. Yeah. And the final, like, the Tegan dream sequences are very spooky. Mm. Then it's time for some boofs. First boof. The Mara slash snake. Ew, it's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The jungle sets. Not a patch on Planet of Evil or Face of Evil. Mm. Any of the mm-hmm. evils, really. <laughs> Next beef, the tits. <laughs> That's the TSS. It's a wardrobe on wheels. It's equally crap. A wardrobe? Wait, what? did I not say that? No, I said cupboard. Cupboard, yeah. Oh, oh damn pretty it. Close. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> close. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my friend who agrees with me. And he continues, all in all, Kinder is a valiant attempt to make an interesting and complex story that just fails to pull it together or realize it properly. I can't say it's a favorite story, but I admire its endeavor. Mm. And Andy awards this story 3.5 out of 5 indigenous tribes people who look like they're in a shampoo commercial. <laughs> nice. Oh my god, you guys are just jiving so much. Oh, this is <laughs> this is my friend who agrees with me, Andy. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow after work? Let's grab a drink. <laughs> good stuff thank you so much for sending that in andy Uh, excellent mini as always people go to the website and read as maxi uh, and in the meantime say hello to andy on twitter he can be found at caffrey's what jim 71 that's right who's next next we have tans six fingers what up tans six fingers aka ben o'neill tans starts greetings who back when team greetings back to you tans greetings while Kinder feels the least like any other Doctor Who story I can remember, it is still very good science fiction. In brackets, this was only the second time I had seen it. The first was in 1982 when it first aired. Ooh. Wow. I know you've been, you have been yearning for women with agency, and Kinder definitely delivers on that front. From Tegan going all introspective on us, to scientist Todd being the only one of the not-we to keep her wits, to the blind matriarch Panna who knows more than anyone else around... The men of the survey team get reduced to boyhood, and the men of the natives just don't speak at all. That's a really, really good reading of it. I hadn't considered that. That's a super good good point. Uh, Yes. Tan Six Fingers continues. 
the Mara as an antagonist lends this story a truly tribal feel, as it is a real demon or just an ancient idea that hasn't been able to gain purchase in reality? Uh, question mark. Adric once again plays devil's advocate by trying to appeal to the apparent bad guys, but fails at escaping and just ends up in more trouble. I have issues with that argument because it's not yet again because he was he was a shit before. And the whole <laughs> escaping thing, this was a note. Uh, sorry, this was a point in my notes that I, I didn't bring up before, but he could just leave like he he escapes by just walking out and he could have done that at any point. Yeah, it wasn't exactly hard. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry, Tan Six Fingers. I'm really sorry. I, I just, uh, oh God, I really just dislike Adric, you know? Anyway. Yeah, indeed. Tans continues, the new Doctor's personality finally begins to emerge, and he seems to treat his companions more as individuals than the fourth Doctor did. I loved everything about this serial, says Tans, except that Nyssa was missing from it. Production and sound were great, the TSS was nice, (laughs) the acting was good all around. Except maybe Aris after being possessed by the Mara. And he gives this a rating of 4.5, giant imaginary snakes out of 5. Holy smokes! Whoa! Yeah, whopping, whopping heart there, Tan. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think that's something that podcast land, like overall, like on average, has in common: huge hearts. Let's <laughs> <laughs> add some trivia. Neris Hughes, who plays Todd, was also in an episode of Torchwood. That's cool. Very good. Mm. People who are not Tan Six Fingers find Tan's Six Fingers uh, where one plays online games where. Tan Six Fingers might be found, but uh, otherwise, go to Twitter and find Tans at Tans, the word, six, the number, fingers, hand toes. (laughs) (laughs) It's becoming a thing. It's becoming a thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're going to make it a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag, who back when hand toes? (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil has made a request for how we start this one, which I believe we are going to honour. Yes, we will. It's a short little (laughs) theatrical production. Nissa, are you excited for Kinder? Oh, definitely. Well, tough shit. We forgot to put you in the script. Have a kip in the TARDIS for a month, yeah? Wanker! Probably a pretty accurate summary of what it was like <laughs> off stage. In fact, you know what? Actually, I read a bit of trivia, and this is such a horrible thing to say out loud, but in the trivia on Todd's Wiki, it says, can't remember what her name is, but the actress who plays Nissa, she was thrilled that she didn't have to act in this because, and I quote, she got to go shopping instead. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, that's what, um, dude, I'm just the messenger. That's what it says on Todd's Wiki. <laughs> yeah, that being said, thank you very much, Neil. Neil does continue. Tian's dream sequences are genuinely freaky, and I think Janet Fielding does a much better job this week. She's brilliant and a little bit sexy. Oh, that's second time now. When she's under the influence of the frightening Mara snake. As for Adric, well, he spends another story being bollocked by everyone for being such a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting that. Yeah. <laughs> Neil continues Davison is doing fabulously and has superb chemistry in this story with Todd, the saucy Mm. cleavage-showing science officer. What a good companion she would have made. Yeah, her outfit definitely did not appear in my notes. Panna is another very watchable character, (laughs) says Neil, and I adore the the open-the-box cliffhanger. 
Mm. Neil says, if you had the DVD, then I recommend watching with the CGI effects on. It improves the Mara in the Mirrors sequence 100%. I, actually, I wanted to say this before. Uh, there's a, If you go to Todd's Wikia, you see... Uh, I didn't see this version myself. I don't know what you uh, watched, uh, Jim. But the, on Todd's Wikia, one of the screenshots is of... Or maybe if you search for the Mara, the, the shot that you get is a CGI snake that looks so much better than the uh, papier one but personally i prefer the papier mache one i like i like the really cheap shit special effects they're great uh anywho neil continues but the best thing about kinder has to be hindle played by simon rouse it's a standout performance that could have easily been a bit silly in the hands of a lesser actor rouse tells the complete mental sells the complete mental breakdown of hindle with tremendous skill the childishness anger and paranoia are spot on I'm always glad Hindle gets a happy ending. And I don't mean being tossed off by Adric in a deleted scene. Oh, God, I want to watch that now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and in summary, Neil says, Yes, there's no getting away from the fact that this is a studio jungle, but quite frankly, I don't care because this is a really strong story. And Neil gives this 4.2. Nice. Oh, nicely uh, joining the big heart club. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, wow. Uh, uh, Neil, your <laughs> your membership card is in the mail. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> uh, people who are not Neil, please high five Neil online for a spiffing mini. Neil can be found at Neil Androzani. You know how to spell that. <laughs> Good stuff, Neil. And keep those nice. gifts coming. Mm. Who we got next? Oh, why? It's only James Ashley. Hello, James. Hello, James. Mm. James starts. Kinder is one of my most favorite serials throughout Doctor Who. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 I know where this is heading. An edgy score and great background production complement an intriguing and experimental story that explores concepts from religion as well as delving into mental state. Performances are excellent in a classic serial from the Davison era, with Hindle and Sanders going down as particularly memorable characters with vibrant portrayals. Mm. James continues, Though Nyssa is sidelined in this serial, I'm not too bothered, as it allows the plot to move at a steady pace. I can completely understand anyone who doesn't find this episode their cup of tea, but for me, this is pure, undiluted Doctor Who gold. <laughs> so we'll come to no come as no surprise to you that James has awarded this a what, Jim? Holy moly, James gives this 4.8 out of 5. Oh, sweet buttery Moses. That is a seriously big heart. Uh hang on, wait. I've got my phone on airplane mode, but let me just un-airplane it so I can call an ambulance for you, James. <laughs> good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Very. Oh, good. really, really good. Oh, you were totally right, by the way, Jim Cakes. Like, this is a, a pretty serious split down the middle. People either really love this or they kind of not don't love this. Yeah, good. Yeah. Really good. People who are not James Ashley, guess what James Ashley's Twitter handle is. You're right. It is at James Ashley. Say hi to him. So easy to uh, find. And remember, yeah, say hi from us. Yeah. <laughs> James Ashley, you're James Ashley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, what else is about to happen? Why well, is that time for <laughs> Leon to break down? <laughs> oh, no, I can feel it happening. 
I'm, I'm back in the room. I'm back in the room. Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we've got Michael Ridgway. 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 Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. My, my. Michael has, as he is wont to do, provided a list of likes and a list of boofs. First, the likes. First like, Tegan in Freaky Bonkers Mara Dreamland. Mm. Looney Hindle. Very entertaining. Mm. And last like, a giant pink rubber snake. (laughs) Here's your friend (laughs) that agrees with you. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good stuff. Then, the boofs. The doctor being nonplussed about the clo- about the colonists taking hostages. That's a really small cage, and it doesn't even contain a bucket. Oh god, that's so true. <laughs> I mean, that's such a good point. Aside from the fact that, yeah, they're clearly just they're just. I mean, they also haven't been given anything to drink, so I feel like this solves their problem. But uh, aside from that. That's so true. He witnesses a a, a horrible, like a, I, I wanted to say a war crime, but I, I mean, it's certainly a, a horrible treatment of the indigenous species and he doesn't try to save them. Yeah, this is very true. I, I go back to the not really like of a doctor in the serial point. Yeah, yeah, ditto, <laughs> ditto, ditto. Uh, next beef. I don't see how you can sleep for two days straight and not wet yourself. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a theme here, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael had like seven cups of tea and then wrote this mini. <laughs> <laughs> and final beef. I feel so useless. Correct, Adric. <laughs> Nissa was less useless than you, and she wasn't even in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Michael concludes with a rating of 2.3 out of 5 whinging Tegans in Mara Dreamland complaining about ice cream or some nonsense. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spot on. Thank you very much, Michael. Fantastic mini, as always, from Michael, whom you can find online at bad... Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. That's it, we're done. Yeah, no more underscores. Yeah. Michael, so big. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. And Next up, last okay. up. Okay, last, yes. It's someone who's a bit Davidy. Hello, David. Hello, David. David starts... This was one of the first novelizations I ever read, so I've got previous with this one. The sequences in Tegan's head scared the crap out of me at eight years old. Gee, yeah, this is not something to go through as an eight-year-old. I feel. I mean, I don't know what the novelization is like, but wow. Yeah, I'd still be wetting the bed if I saw this as an eight-year-old. David continues, very sophisticated and full to the brim with symbolism and clever little ideas. I love it that the TARDIS, Nyssa, Adric, and the Doctor are all represented in Tegan's mind. Just twisted carnival versions of them, are they? <laughs> Wait, are the uh, the couple that plays chess, are they the TARDIS, Nyssa, and Adric? Because they're playing Holy the same smokes, game. did I miss something? The bad guy is the Ducker, which sounds very much like Doctor. There was, holy smokes, yes, oh my god, David has totally shot, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so hard right now. Yes, they're playing chess or whatever, <laughs> or they're playing checkers, presumably, and we get to see Adric and Nissa playing checkers in the beginning. That's what she's, oh my god, this is blowing my mind. Who's the, who's the TARDIS? Who's the TARDIS? Where's the TARDIS? Is there even a thing in there? I don't know, but David is a million percent right. Wow. What a thing to end on. This is incredible. Yeah, because we do get the Doctor, we get Adric, we get Nyssa. What's, 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 what's the TARDIS? What's the TARDIS? What's the TARDIS? Are you scrubbing through the episode right now? 
I'm trying to look at images for it. Oh, David, this is incredible. Yeah, yeah, hang on. We're taking a quick tangent to like Google image search this. I think there is a structure. This is seriously blowing my mind, dude. She walks around a structure. That's blatantly retarded. And there's Saturn playing. Saturn playing. And they're playing. Oh my God, this is blowing my mind. What? What is happening? What is happening? (laughs) This is incredible. David, where were you half an hour ago when we were rating this? (laughs) Yeah, David, come on. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's such a good observation. I think it doesn't really change anything because we knew that bit was still good. It adds a layer to that bit. It's even better. But then it doesn't add anything anywhere else in the story that is where all the problems are. Yeah. I mean, I I stand by it. I feel like we should have seen snake versions of Nissa, Adric, and the TARDIS. Uh, But, (laughs) like, I don't understand why they're in period garb. But, uh, I mean, everything I said before about this being wholly irrelevant is, in fact, itself wholly irrelevant. David is so right. That's incredible. Oh, well done, Dave. I can call you Dave, right? Well done, dude. (laughs) Oh, all right. Uh, David continues, all the Kinder tribes people are named after aspects of Buddhism. Yep, true. There's some Christian symbolism in there as well. Continues David, the snake in the garden. Aris covers a part of his body with leaves out of shame. Oh, yeah. The colonists aren't allowed to eat the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. The list goes on and on. Yeah. Uh, still, uh, just, I mean, I'm saying this as a completely non-religious person, not Christianity, Old Testament, in case we're offending anyone out there. David continues, Simon Rouse's performance as Hindle is electrifying. Adric gets something sort of useful to do, and Janet Fielding really shows some amazing acting as Tegan and as the Mara. Apparently, one of the kinder children is Johnny Lee Miller from Elementary. Yeah, that's right. Neris Hughes as Todd is great as the Companion of the Week. I kind of wish that the Doctor left all of his companions behind and went off with her. Holy smokes, I just had a weird brain thingy. John Lee Miller is in Trainspotting. Yes, bringing he your is. comparison. Yeah. Yeah, it's like suddenly so much more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> David continues and sums up with the giant snake at the end doesn't bring it down for me. The DVD has got a CG version. That sorts it. So, all we're left with from David. Oh, God, there we go. All we're left with. I mean, it's a hell of a lot that we're left with from David. It's on another level. One of the best ever classic or new i mean words like that you've got to see it coming but what is that number it's a five (laughs) (laughs) holy smokes top marks from david and you know what top marks to david as well because that is a hell of a mini yeah great stuff yeah good stuff huge hearts giant hearts see a doctor thank you so much david thank you so much everyone in podcast land who sent in a mini for this one absolutely loved it so that pretty much neatly sums up our kinder, I was going to say soiree, because we normally record these in the evenings, but it's actually just the afternoon. Nicely sums up our kinder review. What have we got coming up next, Jim? Next, we'll have something of a new Who channel, namely The Pilot. That's right. After which, we're back in classic Who territory with The Visitation. Mm-hmm. Audio is still a little bit on pause land. Yeah, who knows? 
But at some point, we will get to the next bonus episode, which will be the next, most likely, the next Who Back When branded audio adventure called Strange Readings. Production has, like, sort of started. <laughs> We're, quite frankly, still emailing people about casting and whatever. It's it's in the works. Yeah. So, um, you know, perk up your earbuds. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Jim, you're available on the uh, Tweety Tweets. I believe. Yes, I am on the Tweety Tweets. I can be found at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the Who, you say? That's exactly what I said. Well done, yes. That's exactly what you said. Just making sure. (laughs) You can say hello to me as well. I am at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-N, at least for the time being. Who knows? You have been an absolutely lovely audience, and I have had an absolutely spiffing time. Thanks so much, Jim Cakes. Oh, thank you too. It's been awesome talking about Kinder with Mr. Leon and bringing it to your earballs, podcast line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Until the next time, please be rad next to each other. Stay safe, rock on, and cha-chao. Yeah, look after yourselves. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?